0: as the official health care provider of minnesota united alina health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition and with expertise in orthopedics sports medicine heart care and more alina has the team to keep your family in the game too the experts at alina health take the time to get to know you as a whole person helping you achieve wellness for your mind body and spirit It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Welcome into another episode of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. It's sort of a a mid-season check-in, Minnesota United, Outlook, Recap, First Half, uh, Look Ahead, All of the Above, um, everything that's going on in the world of soccer. So first of all, I get to be joined by Manny Lagos, the legendary Minnesota soccer, everything and uh, thanks, Manny, for taking the time. I know you were just out with the second team as we're just talking about, like, <laughs> recapping what's been going on, uh, talking about Minnesota United, what's going on, and and now you're on the field with the second team. How's, how's it going over there up at NSC?
1: No, I think it's great. You know, this is a, a beautiful time of the year in terms of, you know, playing outside. Uh, our our practice fields are gorgeous. It, it's, it's really nice training when you have nice fields and the tempo and the guys are working hard and, you know, certainly... Um, these weeks where you have um the academy kids you have the second team you have the first team all kind of interacting like subtly within each other and on, on the fields is so cool it, it really gets you excited about the club how big it's becoming how, how much uh and important uh initiatives like the second team like the academy and certainly um how we navigate getting the first team better both in the short and long term um is really exciting I
0: got to say, speaking of, uh, you know, just the excitement around soccer in the state of Minnesota, I mean, the USA Cup is like just around the corner. It's going to be a complete madhouse up there.
1: It is. It is. It's another element that it is, you know, uh, it's operationally. Sometimes it's it's a little bit challenging just because we've got this nice private area where the kids can't quite get to. But functionally, we do kind of like the kids seeing a little bit of the elements of, of a professional environment. And we think it's so important and so impactful um, for the kids, for the future of soccer in Minnesota to have that kind of connection with the tournament. Um, and then certainly I, I do think it's one of the bigger soccer festivals, uh, in the country. And we have it right here in Minnesota, right here at Minnesota United Training Facility. So I, I really love, I love the interaction. I love the tournament. Um, I have some nice history there. Um, you know, when I was a kid and, and playing in it and loving it and loving soccer and playing all these different cultures, uh, and then I actually got to have some nice moments as a father, uh, you know, uh, winning it as a kid and then watching my son win it and watching the interaction he had both with the the competitiveness, of all the countries around the world. And then more importantly, I think it's also not only soccer, it's the experience of these cultures and just, you know, reminding uh, yourself and, and these kids that you're part of this such a cool global game that has such a cool connection by the sport.
0: Yeah, I know. I was just uh, was talking to my daughter the other day, but you know, the trading of the pins, and you're walking around with the you know, it's a USA cup towel, but yeah, I mean, the opening ceremonies, which now are at NSC, but uh, you know, other times they were elsewhere, but I just think back to, yeah, same thing. There's still like this progression, but it is, it's a huge part of what is going on up there. And as you talk about the academies and the, in the youth teams and the twos and the first team and watching all the kids that are sometimes up in the stands at, in the side of the stadium field, you know, trying to get a glimpse of what the first team is doing, but it's that whole concept of like, if you see it, you can be it. And they kind of see where they may want to get to day. So having it up there in that space, although operationally it can be challenging. It's part of that, like just Minnesota soccer history. And it's really fun to see like the whole energy around it. Um, And I think the Minnesota United guys, I think they appreciate it too. Cause if they've never experienced being up there during that time period, I think it's like next level when they get to kind of see the excitement and the young, the young soccer players in that area.
1: It is. I I think it it keeps even our first team guys like young and reminding that they represent the community. They represent not just the, the, the ultimate goal of winning on the weekends and, and you know winning championships, but they really are setting up the next generation of people who will play soccer, who will love soccer, and there'll be some kids that will become professional soccer players because of uh, these moments these kids have in, in front of these players so um, again I, I don't think a lot of training facilities have the uniqueness that we have um, and i think that's what makes this serious this special and i think it makes the culture and environment that we're trying to create up up here even more special
0: speaking of getting uh the importance of winning on the weekends how about that win i mean compared to like what the first half sort of presented for minnesota united and versus the second half and finishing those chances and the opportunities, kind of recapping the game against the Portland Timbers. What did you see from that match and, and getting a win, another win, just a second on the regular season for Minnesota United at home in Allianz Field? And I thought the crowd was fantastic on Saturday night. I mean, the energy in the stadium, which is always fabulous, but it seemed like next level. What did you think about how Minnesota United got that win?
1: Yeah, I I, I love the, the stadium. It was rocking. I thought the fans were massively into the game in, in the appropriate way in terms of you know the, the game presented a lot of adversity and the reality is we haven't had that strong performance at home yet this year we haven't had a definitive win at home where you know we really said we're going to take control and win this game and and we've had some tough late goals against us uh for ties and losses and we've had some moments where we walk off the field we know we should have won we just didn't finish our chances and I, and I felt like Saturday, you know, we, we didn't actually start that strong early on. I thought we had a couple sloppy turnovers. We couldn't get the rhythm of the game. But defensively, we still really didn't give them any good chances, and we kept our shape for most of the, the half. And I thought the end of the half was outstanding. You know, I think we really kind of weathered maybe some of, some of sloppiness that we we don't usually have at home to really set up a 2-0 halftime score. And I, I think um, this sport doesn't create easy moments. And I think we wanted an easy night, maybe a 3- or 4-0 win – But, you know, Portland got a goal against us, against the run of a play. I thought we were playing some of our best soccer when they scored, um, and they go to 2-1. And I think that's when the the specialness of the stadium really kicked in where the fans realized we have to make sure um, we support these guys because they've gone through a lot of adversity at home where we haven't quite gotten the results, and it just kind of combined. The players finished the game outstanding, two great goals, could have been two or three more, uh, really didn't give Portland a sniff after their goal. And really kind of, I thought, came into the game in a great way where we we finished so strong and uh, to have a nice, solid 4-1 win like that um, at this time of the year when we have a lot of home games in hand where we really believe we, we can push ourselves now to get more points at home uh, is very exciting.
0: Well, and the young guys, I mean, Devin Padelford steps on the pitch once again in the left back role. And then also Emmanuel U.A., who you just signed to a first team contract, should have probably had a goal with a a great run in behind and a nice ball right up the middle. I think it was from Sang Bin. What does that say, too? Again, as we talk about the youngsters coming through, making an impact, you know, signing for the first team, whatever it might be um, that, you know, U.A. could have had a goal, but also making an impact on the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, some great stories throughout the game, obviously within the first team, Ray and Bongi playing so well and so impactful in terms of their goals and assists and creating goals. Um, and certainly the defense, again, showing some real resiliency after going down 2 one, especially. But that's a fun storyline when you have two players coming in at key parts of the game. Uh, To make an impact in both our local youth products, one hailing from Woodbury with the St. Croix Academy and the other from St. Louis Park, um, who was found through a trial, uh, is awesome. I mean, it's another part of the the stadium connection that uh, I think was so special. I think a lot of the fans that really follow the team really were boosted to see, you know, some local products on the field that night contributing.
0: What do you see from Renoso? and and we've talked about it along different steps of the way when he wasn't here, when he rejoined, working his way back into the first team, Mm -hmm. coming off the bench as a sub, coming as a starter, scoring goals. You know, now we're seeing, you know, we all know what he's capable of on, on the pitch, but do you think he's back into where his full form and his full fitness and, and exactly where we're used to seeing him be? I mean, we saw what he did against Portland, but in general, and you're out at training most days, do you think he's right back where he, where he left off last season?
1: Well, I think he's getting there. I think certainly the the trajectory of of being out so long and being a hundred percent sharp, a hundred percent fit fit mentally, physically, um, and probably wanting to make an impact consistently for ninety minutes isn't like at the very top level. But there's no doubt, um, you know, his his ability to start where he, he trained and got fit, and then had some small minutes, and then played more significant minutes, and now is. You know, kind of starting and and hopefully on that trajectory for really significant impacting 90 minutes is exciting, because when he's sharp and he's on his game, uh, he's such a different maker. Obviously, in terms of you know the space he creates, how he opens up, how he he builds in. But even more importantly for me was you know sometimes in the first half we were chunky and and he chose to really push defensively, push and close down the goalie and get our shape up, get our lineup making sure that even though we weren't quite moving the ball the way we wanted to, we were sharp in terms of our, our, our back four getting up and and making sure the battles that we won or lost were in the middle of field. Uh, And then when the space opened up, he was outstanding. He really, really created a lot of, of opportunities for guys. So for me, um, I still think he's on the path. I still think there's much better to come, but it, it was really encouraging to see him play so effectively the last couple of games uh, not only in terms of goals and assists, but like I said, all the other little things in the field.
0: Well, and then when you look at his combination play and sort of trying to find his groove with Sang Bin, and Adrian had mentioned that too, like it's going to take some time, you know, sometimes to get that chemistry to, and understand just the fluidity of the play. And now you've got another new signing coming in at Timu Puki, who hasn't, you know, he's, he's still working on some of the paperwork and, and maybe back in town, maybe available this weekend. But what do you see from him? How is he going to fit into the fold? What is a signing like Timu Puki? kind of signal to not just Minnesota United fans in the fan base, but even to the league when you commit to a player of that kind of quality and that kind of pedigree, um, not just with the Finnish national team, but over in, in Europe as well?
1: Well, I, I think it's incredibly exciting. I mean, there, there's no doubt that this group and these guys have put a ton of effort and energy into the first half of the year. We've had a lot of adversity from injuries to players missing to just navigating how we're going to build a team that can be competitive in this very, very competitive league. And that balance of offense and defense is massively important. And, and there's no doubt the first half of the year um, we had elements defensively that were outstanding and we at times played well, particularly on the road offensively to kind of get some really good, tough wins in the road. But it it still is evident that we are still trying to find that balance of, of being more consistently dangerous, creating more chances and and taking over more parts of the game. And I think Puki's lends lens, uh, a lot of things. Uh, I would say his experience, the ability to,, um, you know, have been through a lot of scenarios of helping a team get better in an area where they've been struggling a little bit, is really the most exciting thing for me. Um obviously, he's a, a player that has played at a world class level. He has played at a club for a long time where he is super impactful offensively. He's also impactful, you know, bringing guys into the game. He's impactful holding up the ball. And certainly his finishing is, is top class. So to me, um, it just elevates everybody. It's just a signing that really connects a lot of our goals in terms of our ambition, in terms of moving up the table and being one of the better teams in the West and the league.
0: And from an international standpoint, international call-ups, you know, the Gold Cup still going on Nations League, which the United States, the U.S. men's national team won as well. And, and I believe that in the Gold Cup, the next round, USA is paired against Canada once again if, to my knowledge if i look, if i saw the bracket right so what do you make okay. of so far the international call ups how they fared i know Rosales and Dane St. Clair clearly for uh Minnesota United were you surprised that Ariaga wasn't called in i don't know any of the scoop behind that but i was a little surprised that he wasn't brought into Honduras as well
1: ah uh, yeah i think he was nursing an injury right before the call up so that gets a little bit tough cuz he hadn't been playing a lot and he was still maybe not quite 100% he, he's still kind of working his way back to full fitness and and really getting back to being making the impact he did more last year, especially. So, you know, that's a part of this game, which I I feel for the guys and everything injuries are such a tough part of, of this business where when you're not fit or not hundred percent, you can't quite contribute the way you want to. Uh, but certainly, um, I think the positive side of Ariaga is I think he's back on a path towards full fitness. I think he had some really good moments in the game, physically had some good challenges that really kind of helped us close the game out the right way. Um, Joseph, I think has done uh, well. Um, you know, I think he was put a little bit at left back, which was intriguing. You know, he is kind of Mr. Versatility for us. Anyways, you know, he kind of his ability to to absorb playing in the center of the midfield, playing wide left, uh, playing left back. So I think it was really encouraging for him the minutes he's gotten has been really impressive. I think with the team uh, and Dane got the start uh, last night and, you know, that was a big, big win for them to get through their group and, and to move on. And now, um probably has a good chance of, of playing against the USA, which is a really big matchup.
0: Yeah, when you think of, uh, you know, and you look around this league and it, the difference in the Gold Cup roster compared to the Nations League roster and the changeover a little bit from some of the European players to some of the more MLS-based players just based on the calendar and, and who was brought in and whatnot. What do you make of The current, you know, sort of uh, form of the U.S. men's national team and players like the um, some of the MLS players who do get this opportunity to shine, and they and some of them were on the goal uh, the Concacaf Nations League roster as well. But what do you make of that when you see them perform the way they perform? And Haseo's Ferrari, I know, had a couple goals the other night. Vasquez, you know, Zimmerman's always in there, whether it's on whatever roster. But what do you make of the the men's national team form? And then we 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 remiss we didn't mention that they're coming here in September, once again, um, at Allianz field, which is always fantastic because man, I think they've got a pretty warm welcome every time they come here.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll start and all, all of this now is putting me on my U.S. soccer fandom hat, uh, which I love because I think it's been an amazing month for the national team. I think, you know, you go through spells when you're, you're not doing so well, or you, you're going through a cycle after the world cup where you're not sure where the team's going in the direction, obviously from a leadership standpoint at the top level, you have, um, and uncertainty about even who's going to coach the team. And I think all of those things kind of had built up, like where's the national team going? And I think in the last month, it's been really fun to see the growth and the development of, of the top level players that we have now. And then the base of players that are coming up. And, and really to me, it's it's so exciting for the 2026 world cup because it it's, it's showing that, that we're doing a lot of things in this country. We're building a great base of players, I think we're growing some elite players that are playing in some top clubs, and I think that's only going to get better. So for me, um, as a U.S. national team fan, it's been a fun month to watch the different groups, the different players step on the field, represent the country, play with kind of with a heart and determination that I think we need no matter what who's on the field. And then no doubt, I think over the next couple of years, uh, these young players who are now going to become experienced veteran pros leading in 2026. Is incredibly exciting. I know there's gonna be some some down moments and we're gonna still have to really push that group and 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 to be ready for 2026. So it's, I'm not saying, oh, this is gonna be so easy, but um I was I'm really encouraged by by the Nation League's run. And then obviously the current like run of energy and effort and quality that the current group is showing against the uh the gold cup is really fun. And I think just to bring it home for us, uh, announcing September is significant because I think um, you know, the national team and the men's and women's side is undefeated. I think they've come to really love Allianz field. I think they've come to love our community. I think they really uh appreciate and embrace that we are all about doing whatever we can to help them competitively have a great environment, competitively train well up to the games and and frankly win. So uh, I'm incredibly honored that the national team, you know, is looking to come here again as as part of their trajectory to grow and get better, um, and I'm really excited to to have the game because I, I think it's it's another example of how special Allianz Field is, and it's another example of 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 what our stadium can be in the future for the the U.S. men's and women's national team.
0: Yeah, I think um, when when you say that, because there's so many opportunities for different places that, that both national teams can go to, whether it's for friendlies, for games, for qualifiers, for matches, for training, and the fact that they continue to choose Minnesota and they continue to choose Allianz Field, I think, says so much about what you guys have done up there at Blaine um, at NSC with the training facility and, and their ability to train there, but also Um, at allianz field and just the the support and the fan base and the energy and the vibe that they get from the entire city when they show up here and the second they step off the plane or the bus so i think that says a lot and i'm sure everybody's already looking at how they can get in on those tickets because those are going to (laughs) go fast you know whether it was february 2nd and it was negative 20 or whether it's a beautiful fall night in september which i'm sure it will be um they're going to go they're going to go pretty fast so i'm sure everybody's excited about it
1: Um, yeah go ahead
0: and then I was going to say, last but not least, you know, I don't even know if I've gotten to ask you this yet. And I know technically he hasn't signed a contract yet officially, officially, but what does it mean now for a player like Lionel Messi to come to this league, to come to this league at this moment in time and choose MLS over other options? And then what would you most compare it to when we could talk about everybody references Beckham because of course that was MLS, but even going back to Pele, like, you know, in NASL, like what, what does that mean for this league at this moment to have a player like that? And how do you see that sort of transpiring into the league as a whole?
1: I mean, it, it's always hard to predict the future, but certainly um, as a kid growing up and watching those stars, I got to watch Pele live, Franz becker Johan Cruyff. Um, you know, actually, I got to bring up my my favorite was Ace Lingue, And it, I love the synergy of Bongi having such a great year in the South African connection. We chatted the other day about – uh, Ace rest in peace. Uh, it was really sad his passing away, but Bongi knew of him. He, he's he's a cult hero there and there's still elements of, of Ace in this community uh from his contribution to the Minnesota kicks back in the 70s. And I just think the it's it's an example of how exciting and where this league is going uh because of it, it, the infrastructure of stadiums operationally, how the leagues are running. The quality of the product is getting better and better. So to me, um, the timing is so appropriate to have such a superstar like Messi because I think the league is ready to um, accentuate what we're doing on on even more of a national and and global scale. And um, I think Messi recognizes that there's so many little elements of where this league is going and what it's doing that I think he wants to be a part of that. I think he wants to be a part of of something like this, which is, you can't quite describe it, but it really is a special time and place and and moment in soccer in this country. And there's no doubt the the time and special place in what Major League Soccer is now versus what it came from. But we're also at a point where we know we're not where we want to be. We want to go and be one of the best leagues in the world, which is the kind of ambition. And and to have somebody like Messi choose this league tells you you're on the right path. And and the league is going somewhere incredibly special.
0: And I think to that point, I mean, I think that's just like the perfect way to put a bow on it because we don't know where it can still go. Cause I don't know if you would have asked anybody, you know, in 1996 or whenever, like where you thought this league would be today in 2023, if we thought it would be where it was today and it had, the path wasn't linear and there were ups and downs, but it's always been progressing in some way, shape or form. Right. And then even you look at last night, the El Trafico, 82,000 people or whatever it was at the Rose bowl. So, and that's, that's just like, I I just, it's crazy. And you and I have said this before, and we've had this discussion both being from the twin cities and being from Minnesota, that even still to this day, when you sit in Allianz field, it's hard to re- imagine that you're in St. Paul, Minnesota in the midway, knowing that the the incredible history that Minnesota soccer has and where it's come from and where it's going. And it's all part of MLS and and where it continues to grow. And now Messi is truly going to be a part of that. And he's currently, you know, maybe some would argue, but maybe the greatest player in the world right now at this time. And and he's choosing this, this league, and I'll just continue to help it grow and and attract more attention to it.
1: Yeah. I really like how you uh, brought up the game last night, 82,000 for a, a, a league game between, you know, two rivals, uh, gives me chills it's unbelievable i've played in the rose bowl many times and it, it is just such an awesome stadium and such a, a great platform i think for the world to see uh the league and, and to enjoy the competitiveness and the reality of of the rivalry within the, the league and the teams and and then i really like that you brought up saturday and allianz field because to me um you're exactly right it is still and probably will be for my lifetime surreal that we minnesota Minnesota United, uh, Twin Cities, St. Paul, England's Field is a part of this journey, a part of all of this trajectory and, and a part of it, not only like kind of on the fringe, but right in the thick of it. We have one of the best stadiums in the league. We have one of the best environments in the league. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how awesome our community is, how committed our owners are into integrating uh, soccer into this amazing global game and into MLS where it's going. So um The stadium was rocking for a lot of reasons on Saturday. It does have to do with the play on the field. There's no doubt, but I think it's also our fans are so appreciative of the fact that 10 years ago, we could have never imagined being right in the thick of this awesome journey of growth of soccer in this country.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Manny. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man and I appreciate you popping in here and kind of giving a recap. I know we just covered a lot. I feel like, the, there's a, a specific rundown that's kind of in an order of things, but sort of the, the way my brain works isn't that way. So we kind of bounced around to to everything and hit it all between the men's national team. And I didn't actually, actually though, about the women's national team. I should, oh, we got it. Like, I mean, you know, we got a women's world cup coming up here. It's yes. a certain amount of time. And I, I don't know, do we see a three-peat and a three in a row here for the U S women?
1: I mean, I, 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 I love, the storyline because uh the women have been amazing. The consistency and the level uh, and tenacity that they've they've played at to to kind of let the rest of the world know that we we are the best in the world and we're there to win World Cups. Um and I think that mentality is is awesome. And it, it's really something that uh it gets you excited and and is really special. Uh, but what's really cool about the wins game too is that. I just feel like there's this global growth now, a little bit like how MLS is versus the, the global game, the men's side. You just see this explosion now of these countries that love soccer and they, it's it's integrated their culture and they're really integrating women's pro soccer into the, the fabric of their culture. And it's exploding all over the world. So the, the competitiveness on that side, every world cup cycle now just gets bigger and bigger and tougher and tougher. Um, which gets you more excited, you know? I, I don't think the women want anything less than the toughest competition possible to to win World Cups. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a great World Cup because I think there's even more countries now that are really competing at a top level, and they're really growing their domestic leagues, which is only going to make it a better and better World Cup for everybody. So, I'm excited. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, anytime you you in this sport and you watch your country uh, being represented is awesome. And and the women have done such a great job and you know, this will be a huge challenge. It's not going to be easy. I, I think the dynamics of, of traveling all the way across, halfway across the world, a different culture, a different environment is never easy to kind of um, to win and compete. But again, I, I think we're setting the bar in the women's game, which is awesome. And, and I think they're embracing that. We're going to keep that bar high and and hopefully win the world cup.
0: It's funny. I was watching, I was doing some prep work the other day, and I was watching the, you know, Fox does these little features on different players and teams and they're previewing each group and, and teams within it and there was one story on ireland you know republic of ireland and they were doing like an in-depth feature on them and and my daughter turns on she's like mom are you crying i'm like well that was just like a really cool story (laughs) like so that's the the other thing i always encourage people is with these world cups whether it's men or women like the stories that get told for a lot of these countries and these teams and these individual players and the paths they've had to take it take to get there and a lot of times it's more often in the women's game than the men's because of some of the the countries i was researching haiti this morning like you know, what they have to do to get to where they are and what they have to go through. And we heard about it a little bit on the men's side too because they weren't allowed to play their games in Haiti recently, you know, with violence and whatnot. So it's just like you see them and then you see them all arrive and like the emotion and wearing the crest or the badge or whatever it is for their countries. And a lot of time that's the part of that beautiful game that we love so much. And especially when it comes to World Cups on the men's and women's side because you can just see what it means to these athletes.
1: Yeah, it is. It truly is a celebration of the sport, but it's also a celebration of of our special cultures throughout the world and that coming together to compete, but also, you know, kind of reminding ourselves that, uh, you know, we're all all part of this big humanity world of trying to get along uh, is awesome. It it really is. So I'm really excited to watch the women's team and the games and uh, hopefully our special run.
0: Yeah, we'll set your alarm. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, we've done it before. There's been World Cups yeah. in Asia, so it's happened. Yeah,
0: yep, exactly. It's happened. It's happened. Awesome. Well, thanks, Manny. I appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the rest of your day. The beautiful weather we have outside right now—it's absolutely stunning outside. So, uh, enjoy the day. Good luck this weekend. You've got uh, Austin, I believe, coming to town. So, yep, yep. another good, another good test here, and another a great crowd, I'm sure, at uh, Allianz Field. So, take, uh, appreciate it, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. All right, everybody stay tuned. I have Tom Bogert from The Athletic coming up next in segment number two. The newest chapter in the rivalry between MLS and League MX is coming to Minnesota this summer. The 2023 Leagues Cup arrives at Allianz Field July 23rd when the Loons take on Club Puebla in their first group stage match. Just three days later, a date with Chicago Fire will wrap up MNUFC's group play. For more details on this new competition or to secure your tickets before they're gone, visit MNUFC.com today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sound of the Loons, segment number two. This time I get to be joined by national beat writer for The Athletic, Tom It's still rocking the mustache. I don't know <laughs> if you heard, but Devin Padelford of Minnesota United, like, shaved his mustache the second no. he got, like, a shout-out from you. Oh, that's I mean, brutal. how do you feel Did about that, right? He gets was... his MLS debut in, in a regular season game and, like, off went the mustache. I said his girlfriend <laughs> or his mom must have told me he needed to get rid of it or something.
2: That's usually how it goes in, in my experience. My my mom more so than girlfriend in particular, who's, uh, cause I think my, my, when me my girlfriend started dating, I had the mustache. So there was no, there was no bait and switch. She knew what she would get into. Um, but yeah, no, that, that hurts a lot. And I hope that, I hope that me putting a spotlight on it, just trying to support him, I hope that that didn't uh, contribute at all. I'm I'm sure it didn't, but, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was very happy when I saw him check in. I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's, he's handsome devil. And, uh, now it's gone. That's, that's sad. She's still handsome, but, um, but it would have been better than mustache, just uh, uh, out of selfish reasons. <laughs> yeah, he came on
0: the podcast like shortly thereafter, and uh, I was just thinking about it because I asked him about it right away, and then also I was thinking like. You know, I think that he's kind of one of those guys that I feel like maybe he goes against the grain. Like, you know, he thought he was kind of like out there, but then the mustache, <laughs> the, you know, the second he got attention for it, he's like, I'm going to go in another direction. Uh, who knows? But either way, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's all good. So first and foremost, uh, thanks for taking the time as you and I were both sort of multitasking before we hopped on mm. here. Yeah. Um, Lot going on, a lot going on in the soccer world, a lot going on and in just in, in the world in general. But how has how's the time been for you thus far at The Athletic? What's what's that what's that been like for you? I know you always don't, you know, put down your phone and unless you shut it in a drawer anyways, or go somewhere that there's no <laughs> signal, but how's it been so far?
2: Yeah, it's been good. It's been great. Um, look, I've always viewed The Athletic as the gold standard. So it's, it's you know, I, I'm joining here. I was very humbled and very happy, but, you know, comes with a lot of internal pressure to make sure that I live up to these other great writers. So it's been a lot going on. It's been a lot of fun. I I just moved last week. So, you know, a oh, new geez. job, a, a new apartment, <laughs> a lot of other stuff. So yeah, it's been a lot to handle, but, but it's uh, it's all great fun.
0: So what is uh what's been the best thing about it so far? What's been different for you? Is there anything, or is it like you said, just you know, is it accessibility? Is it, um, you know, as we all know, sometimes when your name comes attached with a certain uh, whether it's a network or whether it's a it's a publication, you know, sometimes it, it has it pulls a little weight with it. What's been the biggest change so far for you?
2: Yeah, for sure, it's been it's been nice to not have to describe because like, I was at MLSoccer the league site, to like. Now, like everybody knows the athletic, everybody knows the league site too, but it's, you know, to people who maybe aren't exactly familiar with the landscape of MLS or, or super intimate knowledge, like, wait a minute, you work you work for the league or what? Did, like some people, it's funny, would, would be thought when I, as some sources at the beginning would be like, oh, like, so you must like work with the league office. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, so they'd be <laughs> complaining to me about like why like a, a contract wasn't getting done. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know who does that. I don't know why you're complaining <laughs> to me. So I'll say it, it's been nice to just, you know, there's no confusion here with the athletic.
0: It is kind of funny, though, because even in, you know, whether you work for a team or you work for someone else, like especially in soccer, it's like it's amazing how that you can get some complaints in your direction and you have nothing to do with, like, what is happening. (laughs) And uh, it happens across the board in just about every industry, I'm sure. But um, just, you know, give me me your thoughts overall on how you think this MLS season has shaped up for the league. When you do your sit-down predictions, when you're looking at – percentages to win and the odds and all these things i mean has it has it followed the script or there isn't really ever one for mls but what was in your mind how like we were going to be sitting here as a as a league at this point in the season i just passed the halfway point
2: yeah that that's i think you hit it perfectly there is no script for this league you know uh, you know i'll make fun of myself one like i i I was really high in FC Cincinnati and I was really high in another team and I was going back and forth these stupid predictions and stuff that you do. Yeah. I was going back and forth like who am I going to pick for the shield? And then my man Matt Doyle went out and and did the Cincy shield and I was like, "Ah, man, like I'm I'm like one or two of them, but I don't want to make it look like I'm just copying what he did, all right? Whatever." Um and then the other team that I was like, "You know what? Like I really believe and it was the LA Galaxy, so like,
0: they're in, like second to <laughs> last place, and
2: so you know what I mean. Like there is no ex- expectations. Like this team, it's the same exact team prior to the injuries, but pretty much the same exact team that um, got to the conference semifinals last year and almost beat LAFC, the eventual champions. And then they come out this year and they've just been off. So it's like there is no script. Um, I guess the big picture stuff that that I'm happy about uh, is like, obviously the messy deal to Miami. Um, I'll be like I was really confident about it in like December. And then really? by like that early, yeah, know, yeah, because they've been working on this for a long time, and like some of the mm-hmm. things I was hearing was like, yeah, no, it's definitely gonna happen. And then you see the numbers that Saudi Arabia clubs are offering, and then you see it's like oh, Ronaldo went there, and then Benzema, and then Conte, and it's like oh my god, like we're like Messi isn't gonna come to Emma. Like this sucks. Like I was looking forward <laughs> to this, so um, yeah, I went from super confident to like oh my god, like how do you turn down a billion dollars over two years or whatever the contract offer was? Uh So I'm really really happy that that he's coming. I, it's it's uh, a tremendous. Opportunity for the league, tremendous for, you know, casual fans and just messy fans, whatever it is like, I don't know, it's it's it's, you know, the only thing that it can replicate is the David Beckham and, and the way that David Beckham transformed the league. It was in a different spot. He helped. He was him helping push a lot of the infrastructure that's pushed and like now like the league is in such a different spot than when Beckham came and again this messy deal doesn't happen without Beckham both in the sense of when he was as a player and now him owning uh, being a part owner of Inter Miami. Miami uh, so those parallels are, are pretty cool for me but like the league the league took a big jump with Beckham and it's ready to take another jump with Messi here because the infrastructure is already it's like so high and so good
0: what do you think about the, all the in-between there? I mean, that's that's a huge stretch of time, right, between David Beckham joining the league and then also now Lionel Messi, who's in a different spot. Maybe you could argue in his career, I'm clearly coming off a World Cup win and being legend everything for Argentina and um, just being still at the offers he was being given for other places. But the the gaps in between there, what what do you make of, has the league always been moving forward, you think, since Beck, Beckham joined? There was no, like, two steps forward, one step back? Or what? how would you categorize it?
2: Yeah. I mean, it no, no progress is linear, but like, again, you, you just take it uh, at face value like when Beckham came in 07 and like, you just look at the salaries, you look at the infrastructure, you look at some of the dumb things that, that the league were doing quite frankly, like Beckham comes on a bum ankle and he's being pushed by every business interest to play in friendlies on a very injured ankle. And that was his first season. And he played, you know, a handful of games. I'm it's, it's great timing. I'm I'm reading Grant wall's phenomenal book, the Beckham wow. experiment. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it's been really cool and again to see those parallels of just like oh wow like this is so different than what it used to than than like what it is now and and it's just like the way that he pushed to get the galaxy and the league to let them charter planes and like even as recently as 3 years that wasn't a thing in MLS and so it's just like that's one way that things have been pushed like the hotels got much better that the, the, the teams just saying and the money's gotten much better all that stuff so just like off the field the infrastructure is what's really different and again that took time and that was helped pushed by David Beckham and helped push by just generally growth. But like, man, like look at some of these, a lot of these training facilities, not like the stadiums we can all see. They're, they're incredible. Allianz field, like it's beautiful. getting to be there for the all-star game last year is phenomenal. Like it's just as great as it looks um, kind of in pictures and stuff. You go down the line, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Columbus, all these new stadiums, all these beautiful new stadiums, but the stuff that we like a lot of people don't see the training facilities. I've like, again, players are obviously going to be optimistic and talk about it because you're not going to come out and be like, yeah, this new team I signed for, their training center sucks. I can't believe I did this. But like, to a man, everybody you talk to, they kind of go out effusive with their praise and be like, look, like, it's not like this. Like, I was even, I was, uh, Sasha Kleshton, we were uh, on Extra Time together recently and he was like, he's like, dude, like, Anderlecht, like, I was back there recently and it's like, it hasn't upgraded that much, like, since it was like a good facility, obviously. But like, say, like, dude, then like, Compared with the end of my career with the Galaxy, it's like not, almost night and day. It's just like crazy how how quickly the infrastructure has gotten better. And like you look, Chicago, I think they're spending like 75 million on their training facility. Like New England's a state-of-the-art Cincy, like all these new ones. LEFCs is gorgeous. Like it's, it's crazy. Like this isn't, you know, it's not like say like Liverpool, Manchester City probably, but like it's better than a lot of like European clubs. And I don't think that people are like really understand that or even, maybe even ready to admit it.
0: And I think that's a great point, because even when you talk to a lot of these international players and players that, to your point, have maybe been here and gone overseas and come back is like, that's one of the first things that they comment on. It's not just the, the first of all, the the fact that we have all these incredible soccer specific stadiums and that um, that there isn't a bad seat in the house in almost every one of them that you go to. But also the training yeah. facilities, because it is kind of like it's kind of like, you know, and I, I don't want to reference when we're talking about soccer, because I. I think it's such its its own unique entity. But when you reference an American sport as in college football and a recruiting tool, I mean very much so. Or even with home with academy kids and homegrowns and wanting them to sign with you and not go elsewhere. They see what you're putting into the the money and the the energy you're putting into those resources you're putting into those areas. And I think it makes a big difference on where these um or national team games now, you know, people have to have certain yeah. facilities if they want to host a friendly, if they wanna have training facilities where the national yeah. come and train because that's a huge draw, you know? So I think all these things that, um, and it's all kind of spurred and started from what MLS is doing at the top to trickle down to these other, to these other areas.
2: Yeah, no. and And like, again, that that's, that's the driving force and that's, like I don't know, you, you can you can get a Beckham maybe, or you can get a Thierry Henry or, or whatever it is. Like just the the top end guys. Like if the, the money, the the you know generational changing signings. Like again, they're they're huge signings or all of that. But like that, if the infrastructure isn't there, you're not. It's it's just going to be one offs. It's just going to be case by case basis. Like what's what's different now? And like you said, with, with the level of talent that are being produced by academies, like obviously academy production and youth development takes time. So like the money that was going into academies. In the early 2010s, like when, again, Beckham was still here and like the way that the league is growing and like we're seeing the fruits of that labor like this, like the United States does have a golden generation in, in like the literal sense that this is the greatest group of talent that the, the, our country has ever produced, but it's not a golden generation in the sense that, all right, when these players retire, like that stinks, that's it, it's over, like the conveyor belt of talent that that comes from this infrastructure. And in turn, the players who aren't making the national team who are in MLS are really, really like much better than the talent that was being produced. Like the bottom of the roster is so much better. And that again, and then the money to, to help with, you know, international or players coming from abroad, like all these things work in conjunction with, with each other to push the league forward. And again, now you're getting messy and, and, you know, like the Saudi Arabian league, I, I, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but like from what, we're seeing it, it's like Ronaldo was their Beckham signing. And like, it, it's obviously a huge transformational signing for them and the money's wild, but like, they don't, like they have to start with their infrastructure and they have to start with where MLS was, say, in 2007. Again, this is, I, I want to be careful that I, I'm not, I'm not the be all end all on the Saudi Arabian League, but just looking from the outside is, is that what it seems like to me? And, and the differences for where MLS is right now is that we're 15 years like past where, like we were at that point and who knows, what will happen with, with Saudi Arabia, whether it'll be more like the Chinese Super League that never, you know, really had sustainable power or it'll be more like MLS or maybe even surpass MLS. Who knows? But just like it's it's been really cool to kind of see the the baseline rather than kind of the top end for MLS right now.
0: So the last thing before we switch over to Minnesota United, just to kind of dive in a little bit more on a on messy situation. Um, And that sounds funny when you say it that way. But messy with an I on the end, not a Y. Um, (laughs) But when you look at what he is going to do, was the coach signing in in Tata Martino as important as you know? Once you, once you. I, to my knowledge, Messi hasn't actually signed a contract yet. Right? <laughs> but technically, we'll we we'll speak, technical. we'll, we'll speak in terms terms of that. Was that signing almost as much as important for for Miami as it was once once you knew that you were going to solidify Messi and or Busquets and or these other you know players that are going to be coming in and joining Inter Miami because you got to get that one right right to yeah, help it. Yeah. I mean, they're sitting not in a great spot right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, Tata Martino, like it was to my knowledge, like the best realistic manager they could have hired for me. Like, again, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tata Martino, but like the, how many managers in the world have the combination of why he worked with Messi. He has a big enough name that has cachet in, in that locker room and and with players. And also not only understands, but like loves the idiosyncrasies of MLS. Like he won MLS Cup with Atlanta. He built a lot of what Atlanta, like because his, his, um, he he has so much sway over personnel decisions as he should because of how good of a manager he is and how his reputation and all that. So like he helped a whole lot for Atlanta. Like I've I believe it was Miguel Almiron, but like several players in, in Atlanta said this when it was like, I didn't know where Atlanta was on a map. And I don't mean that in any disrespect. It was like when Tata called me, I said, tell me where to go. I'm in. Like so his. His name has so much sway, like, with, with again, what like, he's somebody who, who will be able to connect with, say, a Messi, a Busquets, and maybe Jordi Alba, but he's also going to be, like, going to, you know, unearth the uh, Yamil Assad or the Tito Villalba and, like, insert all these kind of players from South America that, that again, are, are so, so crucial to this team being successful. Like, the top end is good, and you'll be able to get players to play with Messi. But the the you know the Gregories the Jean Matas the whoever else that they're going to sign in that middle of the roster is going to be so so important and Tata Martino is again for me the perfect manager.
0: Is this is this how how do you see the rest of you just mentioned a couple of the guys already on the roster and maybe you're thinking of, you know you're looking at the middle third of it but how about like a player even like Martinez like Joseph Martinez like how does that work with him I mean he was brought into Miami you know to have like a fresh start but he clearly spent time in Atlanta. So how how do you think he fits into that? And how do the puzzles be, fit around a player like Messi when you come to MLS? What does that look like, you think, in their mind when he steps on the pitch?
2: Yeah. Um I don't know. Like this is <laughs> it's just gonna be crazy. It's you know, and again, like we, we were talking about some of the offers and just him coming at all. But like, could you could you imagine like 500 hundred million dollars a season? That's incomprehensible levels of money. Like that's insane. And again, the like it's just so surreal to me that he's going to be here. Like, I don't even know what kind of expectations, both in terms of like entertainment and like the literal. And again, we're going to, we have talked about, it. we're going to keep talking about it like for months and months. Um, it's just, I don't know. I struggled to even conceptualize it sometimes that like, again, like I was saying before that I was, I was really confident in December, but like, even, even at that, like you can't, can't really understand like how big of a deal this is and how crazy this is. He's the best player at the world cup. It's best player in the world. Six months ago. Like he's, it, I don't know. It's just It's just, so many good things running through my mind that I don't think I gave you a good answer there or really a direct answer but it's just kind of kind of where my mind's going
0: well and I think we kind of knew what it was doing for the league the second that it was announced that it was a real possibility that he essentially was coming here when we saw ticket sales and we see people showing up at (laughs) stadiums and traveling thousands of miles and he's not even here yet and he's still on vacation so it's kind of you know it's kind of funny (laughs) but, uh, but anyways yeah I mean that's this is one of those moments where I was like, "Oh, he's in uh, Soldier Field uh, on October fourth. If he comes with Miami, it's sixty thousand. You know what I mean? I've been getting all the Chicago Fire games. I'm like, God, I hope I get that Chicago Fire. Let's <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you, as writers, and also as you know, broadcasters, like everybody's doing the same thing. I mean, who doesn't want yep. to go to a Lionel Messi yep. game? You know, I don't care who and what stage <laughs> in his career is playing at." Um, talking about Minnesota United a little bit, you know, big signing with Timu Puki and 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 yet another number nine for Minnesota United to bring in. And I asked Adrian Heath about it last week. Like, what is this number nine different than any other number nine? <laughs> Where, you know, you've brought in a number nine before and kind of said some of the same things and said this is going to be the guy and you know, look at the goals he scored in other leagues. I, yeah. I understand that puki scored it in different leagues and maybe some of the others. Um, but what do you see from that I mean, did it, did it seem like a real um, point of intention from the club when you're bringing in a guy like that, even though he's 33, but the top leading goal scorer still for for Finland?
2: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So what makes him different from Luis Samaria or Angelo Rodriguez or um, Adrian Hunu? I feel like I'm, I'm going to forget somebody along, or the, whatever the, the, the rotating cast of center forward since Christian Ramirez. Uh, Pookie has done it at higher levels. He's done it more consistently. He's done it for longer. And yeah, there's concerns about a 33 year old striker, but like, that's, I don't know. It's not a winger. It's not, it's not a fullback. He's not a center back. Like we've seen really quality strikers age very well in this league. Like MLS was a different, uh, a different league at this time, but uh, a decade ago, but Robbie Keane, like, I think he's like kind of the apex X, ex- the apex kind of version of this is that like, he was, you know, in his early mid thirties or to like a similar age to Pukki when he came, but like, he's like a similar play style to me and, and not to be like too reductive at just like two guys who scored a bunch of goals in England. Um, but like, they're not like, he's not, he's not been over-reliant on like athleticism, right? Like he hasn't been over-reliant on like skills that will deteriorate rapidly at his age. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm generally optimistic about signings to be fair. Uh, but like, I'm, I'm really optimistic about this one. Like, again, he's your, your strikers cost money, goals cost money and proven, like this they went out and got a proven center forward like he norwich were you know in their two years in the premier league with poogie were awful and like he still scored 11 goals i believe in, in each of those seasons and like they were defending 75 percent of the games all the time so like i don't know man like you put him with emmanuel reynoso uh you put, it's just it's just they've created more chances than i was aware i had to challenge my own like eye test by checking um like the advanced master are underlying numbers. And again, maybe this is, uh, you know, game states and stuff. If you're trailing, you're going to be attacking a lot more. But they created a lot of chances, even without Reynoso. And, like, this team, more than anything for years, has needed a proven goal-scoring center forward. If he starts, or if he, you know, starts 28 games in a season, you're expecting 15, 18 goals. And, like, that's the barometer for this kind of signing. And, again, like, you, they went out, they tried... I liked the idea of the Hunu signing. He was, you know, a rising, you know, mid-20s or whatever in prime. Somebody played it in, in France, but like it didn't work out. There was risk. There's risk with every signing. And this comes with the least amount of risk for you know any of these other names that, that I've mentioned.
0: Yeah. And as um, and I think Adrian he said it as well. You know, he's in a position, team of Puki, that is, that is still wanting to continue on with the men's national team with Finland. He's still, yeah. you know, there he's got the, the his career is still in front of him. He still wants to continue to grow and be a part of that. And of course, having Robin Lud here. Um, even though he's out injured makes a difference. I think in just communication and just letting him know like what this league is all about and um, what the team is about and all that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, and the, I just want to talk real quick about the the Western conference because we saw last night, LA, El Trafico, LA, LA, and you know, 80,000 people in the Rose bowl and just another one of those milestones within this league. And it's an LA galaxy team that uh, to your point is, is pretty terrible on this season and, and it's had some <laughs> issues, but you always know you're going to get a game. Um And then, you know, it's, this tight and condensed schedule. I mean, galaxy just played on Saturday. I believe it was against San Jose in their other yeah. El Clasico. Yeah. Um, And then all of a sudden here they are on a Tuesday playing again and, and bringing it. So when you look at the Western conference and how it's kind of shaken up, because that's what Minnesota United fans are going to be focused on here down the stretch. And then also once again, just the point of where people, where teams and clubs are ending and where they've started and what the expectations are, how do you see the Western conference shaking up and where do you see Minnesota, even with the, you know, the extension of the playoffs Kind of finishing up here.
2: Yeah, a lot I mean, of home it's so games tight. left
0: on the schedule for them. Sorry, I just wanted to say that no, they started out with no. more on the road than they did at home. But
2: and and that's such such key context because like again like it's 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 a basic point, but like in this league, it, it is much more difficult to win on. It's very difficult to win on the road. So like the the more home games, like that all counts. And like with how tight the standings are, like Minnesota are a point below ninth and six points below fourth, right? Like and and a couple <laughs> games at hand on some of these teams. So like we could be talking four days from now and they could be in seventh right or or whatever it is so like it's like just looking at 11th like that sounds bad but like the the western conference is so jumbled and it's going to be so much fun to watch the jockeying kind of happen for the rest of the season so like again having more home games is 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 really key context to have so yeah i'm not sure how this is going to shake out like again between i guess i I would even throw portland in that too like 12th to like fifth really with dallas for me like you know, three of those eight teams or whatever, if I'm doing quick math off the top of my head correctly, like three of those teams are going to miss the playoffs. And like these teams like on their day are all all really pretty good range from pretty good to very good. Uh, It's just about consistency. So yeah, I I have no idea how it's going to shake out and who's going to fall. You know, Vancouver, I thought has been one of my favorite teams to watch. And I thought that they've had you know real good quality and like they're sitting here one point ahead of Minnesota and Kansas city, like just above the line. Like it's, I don't know, like it it changes every few weeks and, and this is a league where it's both, frustrating in a sense that like you can have you know a really bad two weeks or a really great two weeks and like thoroughly change things but it's also fun in that way that like at any point like I, you know the galaxy right now are probably in the locker room after after last night's after tuesday night's game saying like look we're only air quote only six points below the playoff line why can't like who cares if all of these players are injured who cares if, if we suck who cares if <laughs> if we're missing all these center backs like we're six points below the line and we have Ricky Pooch and other teams don't. So like, why can't we get to the playoffs? Like, this is a, I don't know. It's going to be a whole lot of fun over the last, you know, a few months of the season.
0: It is funny that you say that because it is at the end of the day it's about consistency. You know, I would have thought Colorado Rapids would be well above where they are right now, especially with the coach like Robin. I know they just signed Andrew Gutman from, or, you know, got him from Atlanta United, but you know, Portland Timbers have been up and down. They have a a slew of injuries just got crushed at home by Minnesota here you know, last weekend. So yeah, but then, you know, Minnesota goes on the road and gets crushed by Montreal. It's like, it's just this crazy league where you just never know what's going to happen. And that I know we say this every time, but it's the beauty of why we love this league. It's, <laughs> it's nearly impossible to predict, but that's what keeps people tuned in is is the sort of manufactured parody. And the the fact that anybody could beat anybody on any given day, yeah. regardless of what the roster looks like with international call-ups and otherwise. So um, so yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll just have to tune in. You said it changes like week to week. I was like, this feels it feels like more like day to day or hour to hour.
2: With all these as midweek as, games, man. Right, with
0: all these midweek games and you know injuries popping up, disciplinary committee, you know gold international columns, gold cup. I mean, it's like it's not really like it's like it's like a day to day hour to hour thing where you just got to keep an eye on it. So and I, I can only imagine how much of your head is spinning when
2: when you've got all this
0: going on inside your brain. Like, do you wake up at like four a.m. and like think, oh my god, I have to do all this stuff today? <laughs>
2: yeah i try really hard to like not pick up my phone like see how long i can go when i wake up without picking up my phone doesn't usually last very long (laughs) but like so that's well and then you're just like
0: thinking about how long you can go without (laughs) it it's It's
2: it's (laughs) self-defeating right right,
0: exactly uh well to that point i'll let you get back to your other (laughs) real job uh rather than joining me here today but i appreciate you taking the time as always and uh keep an eye where can people find you i mean i know where to find you but where can people find you if you want to give a shout out to the athletic and then of course your twitter handle and all that
2: jazz exactly yeah just see me on The Athletic. Read, click, do whatever. Appreciate it. Uh, and then Twitter at Tom Bogus.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day.
2: James schedule, You too.